There is nothing worse than untapped potential. If you know that you're made for more, this is the place. I know that every successful person I've ever met has one thing in common. They do not let themselves fall victim to their circumstances. They figure out a way to rise above it. So join me on this journey where I help you to be better, do better, and have better in life and in business. If you're feeling stuck and you're needing some practical tools, some hope to get you to that better life, this is definitely the place for you. everybody. Welcome to the Unstuck Podcast. I am your host, Lachelle Weeby, and here we are as a tribe of people who want to get unstuck from all the things that are holding us back in life and in business. And I cannot wait to talk to Elaine Slatter. You guys, she is the founder of Excel Consulting, and she is going to bring the fire today because she is going to make you feel like you're not alone when you are stuck in your business. And I know, Elaine, you work with a lot of startups and a lot of the people who are listening to this might either be starting their businesses, they might be thinking about starting their business, or they might just feel like, I'm stuck, I want to burn it down, and I want to start all over again. And I think that everything that you have to bring to our conversation today is going to be so appreciated and so relevant. So thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Lachelle. It's always fun to talk to you. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And so why don't you tell us a little bit, Elaine, about who you are, you know, what lights you up? How do you serve people today? Well, what lights me up is helping women. Honestly, um, I had a long corporate career over 30 years, uh, ran a division for an American Corp in Canada. And I just felt that uh, women just need that extra support in business. Men sort of uh, naturally seem to bond together and help each other in a business way but it, that's not quite so available for women and I still feel that they need that support so whatever we can do to help women in entrepreneurship that's my, what lights my fire you know I um, am a volunteer for an organization in Canada called Futurepreneur and it's focused on helping young women under the age of 40 launch their business so they get the funding from the organization Futurepreneur, and then they have to have a mentor for two years. Wow. And I think the mentorship that they get over that two-year period is more valuable than the money. You know, oh really? Gosh. Right, because I think that so often we can become disillusioned to what yeah. is to be like. Like we make the decision finally in courage, and we're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then we think that everything is going to just come to us. Like all the people who need our help are going to just flock to us and everything is going to go swimmingly well. But in reality, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? And so yeah. there's people that get it and are like, hey, it's okay. Like you've, I've been there. Like here, this is what we can do to, to get you out of that. I just, I love that. Yes, totally, totally. I find sometimes women uh, get totally overwhelmed at the very beginning. And then they kind of lose heart or they get into their headspace and think, well, you know, I'm not good enough. Uh, this, my product or service isn't good enough. And many of them sort of give up right at that cusp when they are close to making it, but they just don't kind of see that they've made any progress. I would love to talk briefly about your transition from corporate America to entrepreneurship, because I think that is always nice to hear 
other people's stories of what made you make that decision? You know, what lessons did you learn? What advice would you give for people who are considering making that transition? Yes, well, that's very true. Like that is a big transition. And so for anybody who's considering it, I'll talk about my journey. And, uh, you know, uh, I probably should have started my uh, consulting company as a psychic many years before I, I knew I, my corporate life was going to end because, you know, you've done the same thing over and over again for multiple different owners. And it was getting kind of stale and I wanted something different and I truly wanted to help women in business. So I thought, you know, I need to start a consulting company to to sort of help people with the with the transition by coaching them. And also uh, marketing was my specialty before I was the head of Canada. And so I thought, yeah, I'll do that. And so, but, you know, I was in the same position as all these women starting. It's a whole different world as an entrepreneur than it is as a corporate leader. I mean, there are transferable skills for sure, but there are a lot of unknowns, right? Because you've never been in that space before. So yeah. like you said, uh, Lachelle, you think, oh, you know, I have this great product and service and people will flock to my product and service, but it doesn't quite work out that way, you know? And so all those things that I'm saying that I help women with, I experienced myself, you know, even though I was a very successful leader in the corporate world, I'm second guessing myself as an owner of a consulting company. So I think, uh, if you are transitioning like I did from a corporate uh, position to an uh, entrepreneurship, you have to bear that in mind. You have to be easy on yourself. You have to give yourself grace, right? You have to try different things and some of them aren't going to work out. People might call that failure, but it isn't. It's all learning. You're learning about who wants your products and services what kind of products and services re resonate the most with your with your audience and maybe you need to tweak those products and services to better serve the client right so you have to find all different mechanisms um, to attract your audience one of the things i did is write a book to help women get started in a business and that was very popular like it's probably six or seven years old now, but the, the content of the book is still very valid. But, you know, that was one way that I could use that as a business card to show women that I, you know, I had that expertise to help them start their own businesses. So that's one of the things that I did. And then I networked a lot. You know, I, I networked a huge amount, like in with different women's organizations and stepped up and uh, led uh, different women's organizations so that I put my face out there. And let me tell you, as an introvert, like you probably don't, you know, each person has their own personality and I consider myself an introvert. Yes, I'm friendly and I talk a lot and all that kind of stuff. But deep down, I like my own space and me quiet. Too. I'm the same, same. Right? <laughs> And people look at us and say, oh, my God, they're talking a mile a minute and, <laughs> and they're laughing and they're engaging and whatever. But deep down, we like our own quiet time. So sometimes 
getting out there and networking and pushing yourself up to lead different areas when somebody asks you to, like deep down, you might think, no, you know, I'm not very comfortable doing that. But what I did is just say yes to everything, whether it scared me or not, or if I really thought I would be good at it or not, it didn't matter. It was an opportunity that I decided I ha have to always take and, and explore the opportunity. Some of them work out, some of them don't. But if you say no, because you're an introvert and you're sort of shy and you think, oh, you know, you second guess yourself, then you don't have an opportunity because you've already blocked it off and said no, right? Yes. So I always say yes, and then we see how it goes. And if it's a success, great. And if it doesn't work out for, you know, both parties, then you just determine that, no, that wasn't the opportunity that was the best for you and you move on. Yes. But I always say, just, just take that first step. I mean, in my corporate uh, role, I wasn't scared at all. So why am I scared as an entrepreneur? You just have to get over yourself. You know? Yes, 100%. Yes. And I think that, you know, the clients that you that you help, are they primarily startups, the people that are just new in their businesses? Does that sound accurate? Yes, mostly they are. Mostly they are. They usually, um, I do, mark, my focus is marketing and my main focus is helping um, startups get online. So that's very overwhelming for many of them. Like what platform should I be on in social media? If I have a website, what should it look like? Uh, you know, what do I say on my website? So, you know, we have all those kinds of services. So for, for you know, clients that just are overwhelmed with the whole process, we just break it down and have different services for the different kinds of uh, customers that we have. Like if you're very confident and you know exactly what you want to say in your target market, then that's something we can uh, work around. But if you're the other way and you just have lots of ideas, but you can't get them into a flow and you don't know quite how to reach your target audience, we have a package for, for those kinds of clients too. So we adapt to whoever the client is and what they need. But honestly, most of the time, you're like the, the, the biggest thing that we do is handhold our client and give them that confidence that they that yeah. their product or service is right. what somebody does need. And how do we sort of package it so that it's very clear to that client? Because a lot of people make the mistake, for example, when they're doing a website and they make it all about them. They talk about uh, their products and services in that we can do this and we can do that, but they're not focusing on what the client, uh, prospective client is looking for, right. you know, taking away that pain for the client. So yes. you have to gear your website, uh, um, you know, verbiage towards what is the pain that they're suffering matter metaphorically, of course, and how can we fix it as a, as your company? And yeah. so that's how we guide the people on their website. You know, some people like write way too much. They know their stuff and they want to empty their brain, but people 
are very uh, quick to, they want to just see snippets. So you provide the snippets. You don't provide the whole thing. You know, you just give them enough to yeah. want them to like and trust you and work with you. So that's what we clarify for our customers, what a website really is for and how to engage people like yeah. by using, you know, videos and that kind of thing and pop-ups and uh, freebies, all, all the things that people are looking for before they're going to work with you. Because just because they land on your website doesn't mean they're going to call you tomorrow. It's right. a process just like everything else, right? So what do you think some of the things, you mentioned a few, but describe to me, you know, the mindset that a lot of the the women that you work for, work with, are are coming to you and what are they struggling with? I think a lot of them are struggling with self-confidence. You know, they, they might be experts in their field, but they they don't have that self-confidence that they can actually make that into a business. And for some women, it that's uh, self-confidence or lack of self-confidence shows up in perfectionism. They keep working and working and working away at something and they won't launch it because it's not perfect. Well, you know, our world isn't perfect and, and people, uh, your prospective clients aren't looking for perfection. They're looking for synergy. Like, is this the right fit for me? They're not looking for perfection. So I think um, that's one area that, that women very often struggle with is, is that perfectionism. The other thing that women, um, the other side of that is that they get imposter syndrome. And what that is for anybody that isn't sure of the definition is that I'm not good enough, which is the opposite to perfection in that I'm not good enough. I don't have the experience. My product line isn't completely full yet. I only have a few things that I'm selling and I think I should have like 10 more things. Oh. And so they have all that self-doubt about their skill set or their offerings and that prevents them from launching as well. It's the opposite to perfectionism. It's like, I'm not good enough. Yeah, but 100%. I see that in a lot of my clients because I help people create their life by design, which means that yeah. you're going to build a business around the life that you want. Yeah. And in order to do that, we have to make sure that we're positioning our products and the pricing that's going to, to allow for that to happen, right? And I see that happen a lot where women will come in and they're like, I just am afraid that this isn't mm -hmm. worth what you know, I, that you want me to charge. And I remember myself going through this several years ago where I hired a coach and she's like, I think that you should charge this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't charge that. You know? And it was funny. And I remember talking to my husband that night and, and I'm like, honey, this is what she wants me to charge. And she's like, you can't charge that. And it was so funny because it was like his money mindset was worse than mine. And then I got <laughs> I'm like, okay, what I ask him, you know? And I'm like, I am paying her for her advice. Why am I not taking it? She yeah. saw the value in what I had. She knew that it was worth what she was telling me to charge, but yeah. I was struggling with, is this, you know, worth charging that? And I see it a lot of my clients as well. Yeah. Yes. But when you go, um, you know, you're paying for the expertise and the knowledge of that person. So you've got to have that self-worth yourself that you you've spent a long time gaining that knowledge or developing your product, yes. whatever thing it is. And 
so you have to incorporate that into the price of the product. Sometimes if you price yourself too inexpensively, people think that you're not giving enough, that you won't give yes. enough value. Yes. Right? So you have to hit that sweet spot so that people think, absolutely, I want to work with that person. That that price is fair for uh, fair value for what I'm getting. Yeah. And uh, and and be happy with that. You can always adjust your pricing downwards. But it's harder to start, say, at um a thousand dollars and then change it to five thousand dollars. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's easier to start. We're just giving a, you know, just a number here. It's easier to start with five. And then if you're not getting any traction, you can throw different things in to right. add to the bundle. Yes. Right. So that yes. it's still five. Yep. And then if you're still not getting any traction, you can give them one or a two day opportunity to get the 5,000 value, say at 3,000, right? But keep it limited and cut it off when you say you're going to cut it off. There's all different ways to do that, yeah. but don't, don't start too low. It, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. You're better off to have fewer clients at the price that you want to be at than it is to have 10 times the clients at a fraction of the cost because it's a lot more work for yes. you yes. to have 10, 10 clients at a thousand rather than two clients at 5,000, right? Yes, 100%. I love that. Yeah. And, and okay, so you mentioned, you mentioned um, just a, a lack of confidence around charging. You, you mentioned perfectionism. What tips do you have for people who are stuck in that perfectionism cycle? where they just can't themselves to pull the trigger? Well, I think you just have to make that decision that if you keep going on the perfection road journey, yeah. you will never launch ever, ever, ever. So you have to pull the trigger on something. Doesn't matter what it is, but you have to pull the trigger on something and test that market out. Yes. I mean, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is that we oftentimes will go into creating a product, right? Or a service because we think that it's what people want. Yeah. Comedy, they want something different or maybe just a subset of what you have. And you don't yeah. know that unless you test it. And I think exactly. you can get into this mindset of an all or nothing, black or white, like success and failure, but really mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to see how this lands. I'm going to yeah. recognize like, is this the product that people want? Or is it that my marketing needs to be adjusted a little bit, but you don't know you guys until you get into action and you might very well be putting all of the beautiful bells and whistles on something that is not what anybody wants or needs. Exactly. Michelle. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And then you ask your customers, is this what you want? Is that, are there any tweaks? Are there any other products around or services around what we've given you that would work, uh, enhance your experience, right? Yeah. Whether it's a clothing line, a facial line, um, coaching services, it doesn't really matter if it's, if it's a product or a service, right. your customers will come back to you with different 
different questions or on social media, you ask them, what did you like the best about it? And everything is an evolution. What you see in a company that's been around for five and 10 years isn't what that company started out with. I can guarantee you. Look at a platform like Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, um, Facebook. What you see now isn't how they started at all. No, so they were on a journey the same way that you are as an entrepreneur, right? So, so true. And I think that, like, this is what I found too is that people don't relate as much to perfect people. No, right. And, and I look back at my own journey. So when I started my business, you guys, I had like 200 friends on Facebook and you didn't need to know, you know, anything about me. if I didn't like know your mom, like there was, I was very guarded on who I let into this world. Hilarious part of that. I was too afraid to post anything. So it's not like they didn't see anything anyway. Right. And I think that when I started to take myself seriously and my business seriously, and I recognized, like, I wanted to create something for myself. I just had to start somewhere and it's so much fun to take my clients back. If they scroll back through my Instagram, you're going to see how I've evolved. That's yeah. the magic, you guys. That's the magic. That's where you are showing people that you're their guide. You're, the client is your hero. You're the guide. And you have to be able to say, guess what? This is where I came from. This is where I am now. Let me show you how. But you can't yeah. do that if you don't have an per- imperfect story to start from. That's right. That's right. You absolutely hit the nail on the head. So for perfectionists out there, you just got to get rid of that perfection because um, you what you think is, you know, when, once you have that perf- perfect product and you launch it out there, you could be wildly disappointed because people may not connect with that. So if you just start, then you can perfect it as you go along, right? And I like think if, it, if it's a face cream or something like that, they, they, they might not like the texture. You might think it's perfect, but if your customers don't think it's perfect, they'd rather have a different, maybe it's a little bit too oily or whatever it is or natural deodorant, maybe they don't like the smell that you, you know, the, the perfume that you put in it or the essential oil you put in it. And they want different options. Like you might just have one and it's lavender. Well, I, I know, for example, my teenage granddaughters would hate lavender, but they might like citrus or lemon or peach or mango or something else, right? So your audience will tell you, I, they love this about your product, and they would prefer something, a choice or a different, um, you know, scent or whatever it is. So your audience tells you as you go along, or perhaps they don't like your packaging, whatever it is, they will start to tell you. And that's when you make those adjustments. And, and then you know, a year later, you might have, it may look completely different yeah. you know, than it did the day you started out, just as you mentioned in your yeah. journey. You show them the journey and they and and you yourself are looking at it and thinking, wow, have I come a long way? <laughs> oh my gosh, so much. So I really want to to dive into something that I think is going to be really important to this conversation. I think sometimes we're afraid to ask for that feedback because it feels like it's a personal attack 
yeah. ourselves, right? Like, oh, they don't love, they don't like the, the texture of my lotion. I must suck. <laughs> and yes, that's the case. And so talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I think we can take things so personally and it prevents us from showing up and serving in a bigger way. Yes, I think that is definitely a trait of women. Unfortunately, we sort of were raised to please people, right? And therefore, if people don't like, as you say, uh, our product, we take that personally, that we have failed as a person. But, but you haven't failed at all. You're just getting feedback about your product or your service. And you have to take it that way uh, as unemotionally. You have to take the emotion out of what they say. I mean, yes, you're going to get haters on social media, on Instagram, TikTok or whatever. But you've got to divorce yourself from their emotion and your emotion and get to the bottom of what they really like or don't like. Right. And and say, okay. Is the is the feedback valid? Sometimes yes. it isn't valid. Right. So just discard it. Don't carry it with you as a piece of luggage. Right. You know, oh, you're gonna have a very heavy suitcase. Very heavy. And you know, one of the things that I think that you just um, touched on is so important to stress again is that feedback is is so important because it's going to help us refine ourselves. It's gonna be like the breadcrumbs towards better. And so yeah. I think that when we can look at it from a Awesome. Like I literally got another clue that's going to help me to be even better, but being very aware of who the feedback is coming from. If your feedback is not from your ideal client, then you think and release. Yeah. Release. I love that. If your feedback is from the person that would be the perfect person in your mind as who you want to help, then lean into it like amazing clue that's going to help you get even bigger and better impact because you're taking the clues as signs for, for ways to improve your product or your service, right? Yes, totally. One of the things that I, I had to adjust from a corporate standpoint to a entrepreneur is an entrepreneur customer journey is a lot longer than your corporate in the corporate world. In the corporate world, and I'm sure you know this from your background, it's facts, facts, facts. It's projects, projects, projects. You just uh, get one done and you go on to the next one. You put your team together, you focus on it and you're done, right? It's all measurements, measurements. How much much, uh, did we do today? is our project on time there's a lot of measurables when you're in the corporate world right all that out the window for the entrepreneur journey so one of the things I had to learn like when you're writing emails in the corporate world they're very short and to the point because you have a project you have maybe 10 projects on the go at one time so you're, you're you're putting a project out there to the team members how are we doing on this 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 like very point form quick everybody's engaged that way because that's how the corporate structure works at least in the corporation I work in okay so the entrepreneur journey is much more gentle and soothing and warm and and so you have to adjust your writing style and your email style and everything about that to that kind of journey which takes longer yes 
And if you've come from the corporate world, you think, well, why is it taking so long to wrap this up? But that you have to understand that, that that's that entrepreneurial journey. They don't necessarily know you. It's not like the corporate world that everybody knows you say heading up a project and they know, they've worked with you before and et cetera, et cetera. So the conversations can be condensed quite a bit. But if you are starting to work with somebody and it's the first time, that, that journey is going to take a while. And you might have to ask, they, they will ask you a lot of questions and you have to have the patience to answer all their questions because oh, yeah. every question that you answer is going to move them a little bit further down in their journey to working with you. Yes. So that's a big difference, right? And and the mindset that you have to get around. Yes. That, 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 that entrepreneurial customer journey is longer and you need to have the patience to clarify what they're asking all the way through until they have actually either bought your product or bought your service. I mean, uh, you guys, like you're talking gold right now, honestly, Elaine, because I think that so oftentimes we expect things to be at a certain speed and mm -hmm. then the negative Nelly inside of our brains start saying, yeah. suck, you're not cut out for this. Nobody wants what you have. Yeah. And, then, and then we let that, you know, broken record keep going and it completely deflates us. And I think that yeah. You know, I've learned it, at least in sales, that it can take up to, what is it, 12 touches or yeah. interactions. Yeah. With people. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, and this is important for you guys to, to, to learn back in the olden days, like I'm talking like little house in the prairie, right? You went <laughs> and you picked out the only, you know, flower that you could get, or you had a, the Sears catalog that showed up at your doorstep and that's what you ordered. We have so many choices now that it yeah. literally overwhelms our subconscious and our conscious mind. And so it takes longer for us as consumers to make that decision because we're overwhelmed with the number of choices. Yeah. Not you. It's literally brain science that's preventing yeah. your clients from making that next move. The other thing that I found, and Aline, I would love to hear if you have an opinion on this, but service-based products like coaching, for example, can be really hard because People that are investing in that are essentially investing in themselves. Yeah. And if you are already struggling with confidence, you're going to really have a hard time investing in yourself because you don't believe that it's possible for you. So again, yeah. it's not you as a coach that's, that has that to overcome. The client needs to slowly build that belief that they are worth the investment in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Another tip I think is in that journey, as you mentioned, like the 12 touches, only answer what your client is asking yes. one step at a time. Yes. Don't bombard them. They've asked one question and you've given them 20 answers. Yes. You've answered the question, but you've given them 20 more things because that then, as you mentioned, starts to overwhelm them again and they start to back off so what that's one of the things i learned along the way that the journey is the 12 touches just answer the question that they ask don't give yeah. them too many options or too many answers to that same question just give them one simple answer that will clarify uh their question and that's it so and then if they come back with another question, you answer that question. 
don't try to close too early because you'll lose them in the because as you say they're overwhelmed they want they want to go on the path with you but they want to go on it slowly and clearly until yes. all the other clutter around them all the other people that are pitching and doing things and overwhelming them on social media or, or confusing them all that goes away eventually when you've answered them their questions step by step by yes. step yes oh my gosh word vomit can give yes. like, I love that word vomit yes it's like it can it can not only confuse people and scare people but it also I'm, I'm a big believer that it's not what we do it's who we are while we do it it's the energy that yeah. we put out and so when I get into convincing mode and I want to, you know, slap on all these extra additional facts to your question. It makes me almost come across with desperation breaths. Like I'm trying to convince on what I want you to know, where really it's just like, listen, 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 Mm -hmm. listen, and then answer that. I love that Elaine. Thank you so much for that. That's why like listening, honestly, is the biggest skill you can develop as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And if you're not sure on the listening part, when somebody asks you a question, don't quickly send a reply, reflect on it for a few minutes, because, you know, that way you're going to give a better answer yeah. and be able to answer it in the tone that they ask the question. So when you answer the question, use the same kind of tone that they used in asking it. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's one more thing that I really want to dive into because this is so good. You guys, I just, I'm so just appreciating all of Elaine's expertise, but one of the things that I find when you go from nine to five to, you know, entrepreneur space is it feels like nine to five to 24 seven. And when you just said, like, when you get a question, pause and then respond. I think that sometimes what happens when we go into the entrepreneurial space is that we get trapped in our own fear that we're going to lose someone if we do not have an immediate response right? or we get out of balance with all of the things that we have going on in our lives. And then we're like, why the heck am I doing this in the first place? So what would you say about that um, expectation for ourselves in that space? Well, you're absolutely right there. I think you have to take the question and acknowledge the person by saying something like yes that's a great question and sometimes you don't have the answer right away so my rule of thumb is if somebody asks a question you get back to them in 24 hours at the very outside but you may not have all the answers and that that you know puts a lot of pressure on you right oh my god they've asked a question and it's going to take me you know a couple of days to answer it and what do I do I've got to answer them well yes you do but you can acknowledge yes that's a great question I you know I'd like to take an extra day to uh, research uh, it for you you know don't you don't have to be the expert in the first 24 hours but you do have to respond to them. And, and then whatever you promise them, like if you said, yes, I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow or in a couple of days, then you have to do what you promise. Yes. Like you can't get back to them a week later. If somebody says, I'll review it on the weekend and a week goes by and they haven't reviewed it, that's a no-no to me. So don't overpromise. 
just do it on the time frame as you said if you you're doing a uh, a transition and you're doing and you're creating lifestyle for yourself don't push yourself into a corner which yeah. you're not comfortable with right so yeah. say you have a family of three children and a dog and a husband and a house and a this and a that and you can't you know you're bombarded here there and everywhere just take your time people as long as you're true to your, the journey yes everybody's gonna stick with you yes. if you don't stick with your promises and you over promise and under deliver because you're overwhelmed with your three kids the dog the house and your husband then you're not going to get the it the order anyway you yeah. know what i mean so you've yeah, got we could talk all day but i do want to just point this out is that i think a lot of times especially as women we tend to over promise because yeah. we're to people please yeah and i exactly. think that like to be kind is to be clear and to be clear is to be kind and so you're not pushy when you say i'm going to follow up with you next week or yeah. i'm not being um i'm not letting you down if i say I will get back to you next week in order for me to give you the best answer. Yeah, exactly. So just being clear because the people pleasing and the trying to prove our own worth, especially when we get into a desperate situation mm -hmm. where we're like, oh my gosh, my business isn't going as well as I want it to by now. And now I'm going to blah, blah, blah. We can actually hurt our business more if we overpromise and underdeliver. And so asking ourselves, like, what is the motivation behind why I'm doing this? Is it to please me and make me feel good or is it to serve, right? Well, that's a very, very good point. Absolutely on the money there. And I think you've got, you've got to give yourself grace. Like if you're transitioning from a hectic world to the entrepreneur world, um, and you've never been in the entrepreneur world before, then one of the other things that I do recommend is that you have one year's amount of funds in your bank account to fund you through that first year so that you're not in panic mode. Yes. A whole year, if you concentrate on your business, will give you um, that view of where you are. And if you keep your eye on what you're doing, like especially your financials, like know how much you're spending, know how much your sales are, and adjust all the time. At the end of the year, you'll have a better idea and then the first thing that you're not panicking about is how you're going to survive that first year. Yes. Because a business plan is great. Everybody should have a business plan. But the minute you put that business plan into practice, it it's just a piece of paper with numbers on it that you've dreamed up, right? Uh, with research as the base. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that day one, that's going to be the answer at all. Right. Like you can almost throw out that business plan on day one because it's just a guide, right? You do need the guide, but you have to say, you know, it's going to adjust in that first year because as you find your market, you know, you're either going to have more clients or fewer clients. And so you have to make adjustments along the way. So that piece of paper, that plan, I mean, I'm working a, a startup plan. Her business plan is 49 pages and I'm going through it right now. But I'm going to focus on the money part. I'm going to focus because her startup funds were not what she expected. They're less. Her startup costs are higher than she expected. 
um, her sales, uh, the sales time uh, in the calendar is different. So she's into a different selling cycle because it's like six months later or nine months later. Yeah. So all these things are adjustments, right? So we need to talk about that. And, and don't be afraid to have those money conversations. Those are very, very important to have. And keep track of that, the money side of your business. Because yeah. put it this way, if you're not making any money and you've changed your lifestyle drastically and two years later, you're, you're nowhere near where you thought you would be, it's time to, to you know, reevaluate what you're doing, right? Because right. if you, at the end of the, the day, why are you doing it? I mean, if you're not profitable, then eventually you right. should close your business because yes. there's no point in spending all this time and energy away from your family or your loved ones or whatever you love to do, your hobbies, for what, right? And so and it, women don't focus sometimes on the right things. You know, they're, oh, they're focused on all the lovely stuff, right? Yes. Yes. what the product looks like or my coaching yes. program looks like and then forget to look at the money side of it Absolutely. and say well how did I do you know well, and go ahead sorry go ahead if the, if the trajectory isn't what you assumed it was going to be then you need to make some decisions and you need to face those decisions right Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that I find a lot in my clients is this money mindset that they don't mm -hmm. even realize it's impacting their business. It might be that they are afraid to look at their money, their money um, mm -hmm. spreadsheets because it brings up anxiety. That's a deep yeah, exactly from, from their childhood. It might be that like they, they get the objection all the time that your product or your service is too expensive. That objection is a direct reflection of what you think in your head because you're putting off that energy. And so sometimes I even have people that are afraid to, to charge because they, they have an unworthiness around that money. And so you guys, like, it's so important. You cannot bury the information. You have to get past those money mindset blocks yes. in order for you to see full success. Yes. And uh, the other thing is that in your money mindset as a woman, money is not a bad thing. Right. You know, money, you have to make money your friend. Yes. You know? yes. And you can't pretend that it doesn't matter. It right. does matter. It does matter. Exactly. What can you give? How can you live? You know, who will be impacted? Oh my yeah. goodness. Elaine, this yeah. has been such an amazing conversation. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you really wanted to mention? No, I I think my biggest uh thing, I think, for encouraging women is just get started, right? If you've done your homework and you've got a decent business plan, you've got funding behind you that you're not gonna be in two weeks out of money and desperate. If you've sort of organized it that way and you have a good money mindset and, and you have a business mentality, then you're going to make it. It may not be in the time frame you, you're thinking, but you are going to make it. And you just go step by step by step. Don't be afraid. Like even large corporations have what you might call failures, but their failures might be a million dollars or $2 million or something like that. Yours are going to be in the much smaller range. 
And, and a corporation doesn't look at it as a failure. They look at it as a learning experience, right? And that's what an entrepreneur, a woman entrepreneur has to do too. Look at it as learning experiences and steps along the way. And everything, honestly, everything can be fixed as long as you are upfront about what, what the problems are. You know, whether it's money, it's mindset, whatever it is, acknowledge it. And then work with somebody can help you go step by step from where you are to where you want to be. And then you're going to have the self-confidence that you've overcome something, whatever it is, right? Yes. And yes. then if it comes up again, you know that you conquered it the first time. So you will the second time or the third time. And entrepreneurship throws different things at you all the time. But if you take that approach that everything is solvable, uh, there's somebody out there that can help you solve it yes. find that right person yes. and get them to help you it doesn't have to be a ton of money you might engage somebody for I don't know a month and they might have fixed something up for you and then you know six months down the road you might go back to that same person and take another step you know so do it step by step by step you don't have to enroll in a $50,000 coaching program on day one. It's probably not for you because you're too far advanced for you. Yes, you right. might want to start with a smaller program and then work into the bigger programs as you progress. Because honestly, you don't know the, the right questions to ask. So go at your own pace right. and take it step by step. That would be my major advice I think I love that thank you so much for for showing up and for being such a wealth of knowledge for us today you guys will make sure that all of the ways that you can connect with Elaine are going to be in the show notes so that you have easy access to her journey and to be able to connect with her if you want to talk to her as always it is such a blessing when you take a screenshot of these episodes share it in your social media share it in your stories tag us so that we get a chance to celebrate and acknowledge you and to share you with our audience and we always, always, always appreciate a review, letting us know what was the thing that really spoke to you during this episode, because it's such a beautiful gift. Then we get to know like what's on your heart and what's on your mind, leave a review, make sure that you hit subscribe, make sure that you, you know, do all the things, share this out on social media. And Elaine, one of the things that I always love to do when I, when I wrap up these conversations is to ask my guest to propose a question that the audience can think about and ponder that's going to help move them from where they are to where they want to be. So what is a self-reflection question that you would love for them to think about? Well, I would say the self-reflection question I would say is, where do I want to be one year from now? And how am I going to get there? Yes. Love that. Love that. Thank you so, so much. You guys, I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day and I will see you next week. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Untucked Podcast. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. And don't forget to check out the show notes if you want to get into my private club, The Better Club, to be able to learn better ways to be better, do better, and have better. So until next time, keep showing up. Let's get unstuck together. Have a great day.